Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast. Some technical difficulties to start off, but we're here, and we're here to talk football with you. He's got a lot to get to today. We're going to uncover, unwrap some things, talk a little defensive football. Uh, We're going to talk RPOs and the problems that it causes defenses, and we're going to address a little bit in an overview what RPOs are and why they cause so much trouble. We're going to get into that, how it's applied to, in particular, the college football game. We're going to Take a look at, again, some of the snap judgments that we always warn you about. Overreacting from one week to the next and teams that and coaches that folks were were willing to bury a week ago are already trying to, you know, put them in the Hall of Fame. It's 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 amazing how this plays out. Uh, I'm going to make an adjustment here real quick. Get us a little bit more light. So anyway, we're going to get into that. Talking the NFL, I uh, in college football, um, I don't see four playoff teams right now. We're, we're going to see eventually some of this stuff start to play its way out a little bit. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about Georgia-Alabama game this week. And then the playoff caliber teams in the NFL, we're going to get into that real quickly, some key games this week. A reminder. Um, you can find all our work at LandryFootball.com. Uh, the film room analysis, the work regarding uh, the the previews of the games inside the film room, the breaking down of games um, from a strategic standpoint, key matchups, games within the games. Um, also, um, you know, something that you have to look at uh, from the standpoint of uh, how to look at the games within the games, how to go about um, looking at key matchups that are going to be significant. Those things are really, really crucial. Um, you know, I, how to really evaluate who are the best players going into the game. After the games are over, we tell you about how things graded out. Uh, what were the keys to the games? Uh, very often, not what you think they are, and, and we'll get into that and how the players grade it. So that's what we do at LandryFootball.com. All the latest news, notes, and information around the college and pro game as well. Uh, we do the breakdowns for college and the NFL. So we've got 
recruiting information. We've got uh, some information, some notes I got coming up um, for the class of uh, 2022, the top 100 players that I'm working to get somebody to get it up for me up on the website. So we'll have that. I've got uh, all those breakdowns of those players, some film room analysis. So it's a great opportunity to get involved at LandryFootball.com with a um, one-year membership is less than $5 a month. For a one-month membership, it's less than $10 a month. So great opportunities to get involved there. Um, Also want to remind you, that we are live on Twitch TV. If you are listening to this podcast, you want to make sure that you check us out on Twitch TV. And as a member of Twitch TV, you can, um, as a subscriber, you can follow us, twitch.tv forward slash Chris Landry football. Um, Hit the follow button. Uh, it's the heart button at the bottom right end of the screen. It's going to automatically send you a message every time we are live and give you a link to the show. And secondly, uh, chat with us on Twitch. Say hi. Anything you want, we're going to give you a shout out. And as a subscriber to Landry Football Show, you will receive a commercial free experience of our show on Twitch, which means you won't miss a minute. As subscribers, you are the Chris Landry Football Insiders. Uh, We will lean on you to cheer, have fun, and, of course, participate in the show with your questions and your comments. Be part of the show. Great way of supporting what we do. And your monthly subscription is taken care of by Amazon Prime. So thanks for being part of the show. Use Amazon Prime, and you can subscribe for free today. Uh, And make sure that uh, you are logged into the show and watching on the show live. And if you want to, Cheer some bits for us. Um, this is new for subscribers to the Chris Landry show on Twitch. You um, are the bits. If you like what we do, cheer us a few bits. Um, they're really cheap and it's easy. And the more you cheer, the like you you are to get on the leaderboard. You will be able to see where you rank on the leaderboard um, at the show page right on Twitch. Here's how it works. Buy your bits right here on the Twitch channel. Um, now, in the chat room, you type cheer, C-H-E-E-R, directly followed by the number of bits you wish to give. So 200 bits is $2. Once you do it, you will see it pop up, and I'll be sure to give you a shout-out. Also want to really thank the great folks um, at American Betting Experts, LandryFootball.com, uh, and it is proud to have as their sponsor, American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. We have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to the website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. So, as I said, I wanted to get into some talk 
first about the defenses and where we are with defenses in the game today, and in particularly the college game. There is, <clears throat> pardon me, a lot of questions about why defenses are so bad. And it's not a one simple one answer, but there is definitely we need to start with the aggressiveness of the tempo on offenses, the success of offenses. That's a byproduct of the rules. The game has changed, and anybody that's followed it closely is very aware of that, uh, that the games have changed. Um, it's, if you look at it, you think, and Kevin, Kilo, um, Kevin Bologar, thank you. Cheered 100 bits. Appreciate you doing that, man. Appreciate your support. And uh, Jig's dad, Syracuse fan. Um, you uh, I actually, Jig's dad's asking, how do you send them? Um, I, I, I just mentioned it uh, again, uh, real quick. Make sure that you um, go ahead again. I'll go ahead and send it. So you just go. You buy your bits right here on the Twitch channel. In the chat room, you type cheer, directly followed by the number of bits you wish to give. So uh, once you do that, it will pop up. And, uh, again, we really appreciate your support there. Um, when looking at the the offenses of today, it's a byproduct. A, it started with the rules. And the rules factor um, is is huge. And that you've got with the RPLs, in essence, a changing. For people who are not aware, if you are run blocking and you get downfield, you can not legally throw the football. Problem is with the RPLs, it's not a run or a pass. It's a run-pass option. So very often you're getting linemen downfield and then they're popping a pass and they're not calling it. It has become like something that you accept, like hand checking in basketball that oh, we allow that. Okay. Well, that is in the old days, highly illegal and, you know, very, very disadvantageous to defenses. So, as we go through the process of, okay, everybody's trying to run this RPO. Why are they doing it? Well, it is a real opportunity. Um, do you think that people are not going to take advantage of the rules? Do you think that if you're at a place that has lesser talent, just like the option used to be a great equalizer. Well, this is the option, the modern-day option. So a lot of people are running it, and you have a whole new wave of young coaches that are becoming more and more involved in the coaching game. And so more and more people know how to do that and teach it. It is being done at the high school level, so it's easily adaptable. Then now you throw in the fact that we have restrictions in your practice schedule and 
you can't spend as much time in pads. Well, the one thing you can do in practice without pads is you can practice on air offense. Running, throwing, timing, those things you can practice. You can do it on your own. You can have that. You can't practice tackling unless you tackle You're using sleds. And that's even limit, limits what you can do and how effective you can be on bringing your feet and adjusting to movement. And there's some things now with mechanical sleds that are that can move. It's it's better. It's not the same as stationary sleds, but it's not the same as moving players. So in essence, the game of football period, high school, college, NFL, they limit the amount of time that you can practice in the physical part of the game with pads. Well, if you limit the time, you're not going to be as good at anything if you limit the time that you have to do it. So you can't practice the physical part of football. You can't practice blocking and tackling as effectively and efficiently as you could in the past. So therein lies a huge problem. So now you're seeing offenses being way ahead of the defensive game because you've got many advantages rule-wise on the field and many advantages rule-wise in your preparation and your practices. There are a lot more things you can do to practice offensive football than you can't. So you've got that. And it is a little bit easier to find. Um, It fits the recruiting game in college because it's a lot easier to find undersized guys that are really fast, that are really very, very effective, Make this adjustment to the to the um, camera uh, to the camera here. Um, what you have is a lot of guys that are small that are athletic that can maybe be overlooked in recruiting, but can be really good playmakers at the college level. It is tough, tougher to find big guys that are athletic that can run. You don't see many guys that look like the big-time defensive linemen, NFL-type defensive linemen that go through smaller colleges. There's some. Usually you're undersized rushers, but but there's not as many. Some late bloomers, yes, but for the most part, you let the look at the big-time programs to really get a feel for where the physical line of scrimmage players are. So the game has moved away from the line of scrimmage, And the other thing that we've done with football, it's become more of a continuing game. Remember, football was always eight, ten seconds. You come back, you huddle up, you make adjustments. There's less of that huddle strategy and more of a continual game. Line up, plays over, you come back, get to the line of scrimmage, no huddle, call a play, and you go. That is is way big advantages to offense. Defensively, you can't adjust as quick. You can't substitute personnel. The toughest thing, okay, defensive linemen run way more than offensive linemen. The toughest thing to do physically in football is line up, run or pursue, rush the passer, play pursuit defense, 
and then turn around and do it again, even when you huddle. Now you can't even huddle. You go up, you're gassed, and you can't substitute. You don't have time to substitute. If they're not substituting on offense, you're not substituting. So you're there. You're gassed. You don't have time to get lined up. You don't have time to make checks. And if you do, sometimes they're so quick that you don't do it correctly. It's a continual speed game. It's like it's the fast break version of football. That used to be basketball was different, right? Remember, and well, some of you may not remember the old days, basketball was a half court game. Half court defense, half court offense, motion. You know, you got fast break offenses where you get the rebound and it's fast break. It's about getting back on defense. It's completely different defense. Fast pace, shots go up quicker, more points, right? Well, no huddle, quick to the line of scrimmage. Your defense is worn out. You can't substitute. You can't get lined up correctly. Gash, gash, gash. Now, can everybody run the offense with equal effectiveness? No. Does everybody have the same caliber, talent as the next team? No. But that, in a nutshell, is a big reason why we have more offensive football and the defenses are really bad. You throw in this year where you've had even less time to prepare, less time in pads, the defenses are even that much worse this year than in the past. So when you have a cycle of that, you then start to create a culture. I've been critical not for criticism's sake, of Oklahoma, Texas, some of the Big 12. That's a culture there of it's an offensive league. We're going to be up-tempo. It's tougher to recruit great defensive players. Even at Texas and Oklahoma, what are you selling? You're selling, well, I don't play really good defense, and you've got to say you've got to flip that switch a little bit to get it there. Clemson does a good job. They run some version of RPOs with some tempo, not nearly as fast, and they've got good balance. But, you know, if you look at it, a lot of people are having to, you do what you do, whatever you need to do to win. So if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, You struggle, and if you look at places like LSU and Florida and even Alabama, they don't have the depth of talent on the defensive line to be able to – because if you can't substitute between plays, at least you might be able to give somebody out a series and put a fresh group in on the next series, and you can help. Georgia is the one team that's playing great defense. Why? They have right now. My grades the of the top 13 players on defense, highest graded players, not the best pro prospects. I'm talking about the guys who've graded out the best this year on Georgia's defense. Nine out of the top 13 are defensive line. So they can play a lot of guys, and they play a slower tempo on offense. So they've got better players, more of them 
and they give them more time to rest between series at least. And we haven't seen them play the kind of the Ole Miss type of offense or the high tempo offense, and they're going to face that. But they're going to try to slow that game down by keeping the offense, the opposing offense, off the field when they do play it. So that's a different style, a different philosophy. Alabama, that's exactly how Alabama played for years. Alabama decided to switch their offense because they need more offense. But when they opened the faucet to that offense, what they found is the tempo was quicker. Therefore, the defense was on the field a whole lot. Remember, when Clemson beat Alabama, Deshaun Watson, Hunter Renfro, last play. Remember that game? That Alabama team was a great defense. Not good. It was great. It was outstanding. Clemson up-tempoed them. Clemson forced Alabama's defense on the field for 99 snaps. So when people say, Alabama's defense let them down at the end of that draft. Well, of course, when you're taking snaps 85 to 99, you're struggling. And get this, when you're gassed, what happens? You can't get off the field on third downs. What happens when you can't get off the field on third downs? They got four more plays. Four more plays of that, you can't – You can't. You, you're, you're just – it's it's a different game. And Alabama became our look, we've got to score more points. We need to do things a little differently. And you saw them do things differently. You saw them begin to change a little bit before, but the tempo became quicker. So now Alabama's become even last year. They wanted to go into the season to make play more around the line of scrimmage, but they couldn't hold up. Had key injuries on defense, and they figured out the only way we're going to win is outscore people. So that's what they did. Now, but Chris, they only gave up 17 points against this team and that team. Those teams didn't have very good offenses, couldn't take advantage of it. So when you score 52-17, you think, oh, they're dominant. Well, they're dominant on offense. But when it got to it, Against LSU, LSU was just a little better offensively than Alabama last year. And not much, but a little bit. And they couldn't get off the field. And, you know, LSU was able to get off the field just a little bit more. And then that was the difference between Alabama losing to LSU and losing to Auburn versus getting into the national playoffs. LSU won it last year with an offense and situational defense. So it can be done. But you see what happens is, you know, big drop-off. All of a sudden, LSU is not nearly as good. Why? Well, you lose that offensive talent. Now you can't be quite as explosive on offense, and you got no defense to rely on. Oklahoma, why have they lost two games in the Big 12? Again, they don't have a defense to rely on. So because their offense is not as good as it has been, and the offensive line play hasn't been as good as it has been, They've got nothing to hang their hat on. They have no defense. So the the real thing that I look at, and there are, I could take each school and it would take too long, but let's just take in a case of you're seeing that with Alabama. And Alabama's defense will get a little better. As I said on a couple of platforms this week on, on the network here is you will see Alabama's defense perform better against Georgia because they'll be able to get lined up 
the pace of play is going to be slower. Georgia doesn't play the same style of offense as Ole Miss, so it's going to look different. And it's going to be effective. Is it going to be effective enough? We'll see. Can they defend Georgia's run? We'll see. Can they force Stetson Bennett to throw it outside the numbers? We'll see. The effect of Nick Saban not being there? We'll see. A lot of things. But one thing we, I guarantee you is that we're not going to see Georgia do what Ole Miss does on offense. It may score points, but it's going to look different in how they do it. And it's going to affect how Alabama plays and vice versa. So, when you look at the, the the problems that you have, Florida, better defense last year. Why? Well, they lost some key guys on the defense. They've got younger guys right now. They can't find pass rush. They can't have base pass rush. LSU doesn't have the typical elite talent on the defensive line for the last couple of years. And they've got a new defensive coordinator. They're not as well coached on the defensive side to this point, or at least the ability to adjust and make the adjustments to – what you need to be doing versus what you'd ultimately like to do. And it's cost LSU, Mississippi State, Missouri losses, two teams that they clearly are better talent than. So it's affecting. So it's a combination of things. It is not – I'm not excusing coaching on this. I'm not excusing that there's not a coaching element to it. There is. There's a cultural element on the style that you want to do Offense has to complement defense and vice versa, and both have to complement the kicking, the special teams unit. But it's also about how do you do it? Look, defense is about offense is about playmakers, scheming guys open but making plays. Defense is about assignment and doing your job. the The key hallmark of good defensive football is maintaining gap integrity and maintaining your responsibility. You can have one guy go up and charge up the field, be great as a playmaker. If you don't have the other guy contained in the gap, it doesn't matter. It's an easy success. So you're only as good as your ability to line up, play the proper gap, set the edge in the run game. If you're going to stunt, You've got to make sure that as you release, that the timing through the next gap is clean. If you're going to blitz, you've got to make sure that you don't keep an escape lane for mobile quarterbacks that we have more of now. And you got to be able to hold up in coverage. If you don't have, well, you got to blitz. You can't get home with pressure. You got to blitz. No, not necessarily. Because if you can't cover, blitzing is a quicker death. So you've got to factor all of this in and you're trying to line up and be more gap sound and making sure that you're more assignment sound on the defensive side of the ball. That's more conducive to that. And it's harder to do that when you don't have as much time and your tempo and your gas and they're snapping the ball before you've got a chance to even come over college football is even more difficult in the NFL. Why? College football's hash marks are wider. So it is really a pain in the rear when you do need to substitute. When you're coming from one side of the field on wide hash marks, it is it is a breather when you're you can make substitutions on the near hash pretty easy. Make a substitution where you gotta come and run 35 yards and get lined up and get the call line. It is tough. 
offensive football and the rules and the pace is is forcing the issue and causing the problem and causing the pressure. The NFL, not quite as much, but there is some element to that. Try to get quickly lined up and cover all the Chiefs guys. I mean, it's it's different, and and it's not nearly like college football, but there is some element to it. So those are some thoughts and some reasons on that. Um, we'll get into some thoughts here. Um, let's see here. A couple of things here. Uh, again, we appreciate Kevin cheering 100. Let's see. Um, Jay Dick Syracuse has three options at quarterback for the weekend. Two true freshmen and a senior with them having Liberty this week in Clemson next. How does a coach look at situation, especially since they're rebuilding? I bought some bits yesterday. Hey, thanks, man. Really appreciate you doing that. Um, look, it's hard for me to answer specifically because I'm not coaching the young guys. So it, as a rule, you'd like to go ahead and play the younger guys if they're in any way ready. But here's the thing. How ready are they? Meaning, do they know what they're doing? Well, put them in. Only way they're going to learn is throw them in to deep order. No. Let me just tell you, there's a point of what you need to learn before you go out on the field. It's kind of like I use the golf analogy because a lot of people play golf. If you're struggling with your swing, just because you go buy a big old bucket of balls at the range and you start banging them, you're not doing anything. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. You've got to identify what you're doing wrong, identify what you need to correct, and then replicate it with that bucket of balls and even more. So there's a process of teaching in in developing a quarterback. Does he understand in the classroom setting what to do and what to recognize? Then can he take it to the practice field? and execute it. That's the lab. When you can do those two things, then it's time to get on the field and in the game and do it under the lights. Yes. At that point, you need to get them on the field. But if you don't have steps one and two, all you're doing is going to the driving range and banging balls out of frustration. You're going to revert back to bad habits then you're having to – you're dealing with confidence issues. I don't know what to do. I now got to break the bad habits before I get them doing the right way. I don't know where the two young guys are. If they are progressed to the point where you can put a package in for them, that's what you do. Certainly the better chance of winning. So I'm not going to say that the better chance is with the more experienced guy because you also sometimes have the more experienced guy that may know a little bit more but may not be as capable. And then there's always the assumption that the senior is going to know more than the freshman. That's not always the case. Sometimes a guy is limited in his ability to retain. So uh, we'll see. Um, uh, Let's see. What was going on with Buffalo's defense Tuesday night? Buffalo's defense look um, unlike they have looked all year long. And I don't know what caused it but they didn't play well on the front end or the back end. Their pressures were not good. Um, they really did a poor job of setting the edge in the run game. They didn't play well in the secondary. 
Uh, Burns4597, I know you give advice to NFL teams, college programs on coaching searches. Yes. Overall, do you feel hiring a search firm is something schools should consider? There are different types of search firms. Um, the search firms that you hear about, their role is a little different. Their job is to do background searches on candidates. Make sure there's nothing embarrassing. Make sure there's nothing legal. Make sure there's nothing ethical that could be used against them. Embarrassing, what have you. That's what they do. They also can make contact through intermediaries about level of interest. They can even make contact through the agents to begin to work on a contract to see if that is mutually something that can go. So it allows the plausible deniability of the people involved. Hey, the agent, the coach, the school don't need to be involved, but yet they can information be siphoned to them. I do something. I don't do all that. Okay. All I do is advise on grading and evaluate coaches trying to establish fits. I try to listen to what they're looking for. Okay. So I can evaluate coaches and I can give an assessment what I think would be a good fit at a school, but that that school may have a different opinion of where they are and who they can get and what their goals are and all that. And, and I can't look, it's like this. It's like being somebody on a car lot and I've never sold anything, but you might tell somebody that this is the best vehicle you got on your lot. It's the best gas mileage. It's the best fit. It's the safest. It's whatever, yada, yada, yada. But if they don't want that, let's just say it's an SUV. I, I don't know. Uh, or or, or a, a, a bigger car. But they want an SUV or they want a truck or they want a minivan. Well, I, you know, you're going to sell them what they want. I mean, I'm not going to tell them. You know what? So I, I basically speak when I'm spoken to and I give advice based upon what I'm asked and what I think will work. But then I give my assessment on maybe anybody that they may ask me about. And what I do is give a scouting report. Nothing. It's like a player. I grade and I'll, I'll do a special show on it one time to go in because I've done it on LandryFootball.com. For those that are members already know it. But what are the criteria I use to evaluate coaches? And how do you grade them just like you grade a player? And so I, I think that with the money that schools make uh, and even pro teams, getting the background information and getting the ability to do stuff, most people have the opinion that the search firm hires the coach, and they don't. Search firm may make recommendations. Depends on how the search firm will operate and what they offer. Uh, but they can give information and they can gauge interest to where you're not looked into an embarrassing situation, where you're not like offering the job to three people or trying to infer that you want the guy to be the job and you get turned down three places. And it looks this basically in the PR age, the search firms are able to help the background stuff. The stuff that I do, it's just born out of accident. I did it for free for years because. I've had success in recognizing guys because I work in that all year round and, and 
to do a little bit more detail. And I do still do stuff for free when I'm just consulting. But when I do more detailed stuff, such as doing scouting reports and offering that, that's a little bit more detail. I, I think it's really important. Everyone says that's a job of the athletic director. The athletic director is not football guys. In the old days, when a football coach was the athletic director, they would have a good handle on who the best coaches are. Right now, the athletic directors are more marketing, fundraising type people, business type people, and they need some help. So I do think it has some value. Um, you know, would I use one? No, because I'm a football guy. I wouldn't need that. Would I want someone to help me on marketing things at a university? Yeah, because I'm not good at that. So it really depends on which who you are. Um, what about the strategy of putting back up defensive linemen and then switch to starters once the offense reaches the 50-yard line? Uh, you're putting back up linemen, D-linemen, and then switch to the starters. Once. Well, again, it's not about where just the line of scrimmage is and where the ball is, but you don't want them to move down the field on you. So the first thing you want to do is, you know, I would say it's just as important to prevent them from getting the 50 than getting inside the 50. Um, it, the, the big issue is there is, in most cases, what I'm saying, a precipitous drop of experienced quality defensive linemen from the backup role to the starters. Not so much at Georgia. That's part of it. So if you do that, you're going to greatly enhance enhance your chances of not being successful. So, no, it's uh, it's certainly not not what I would be looking to do. Um, Texas A and M kind of fits the mold of of a team in a time <clears throat> where, where people are very critical about Jimbo can't get it done. He's paid all this type of money. And what are, you know, the the gloom and doom of they got blown up Alabama. Didn't look good. Didn't look good against them. It's all over. It's a perfect example of we evaluate as we go. People want, um, to make quick assessments of what's going on yet you'd never stay the same. You either get better or get worse. And so how much better can you get? Tell you and improve. The matchup was different. Maybe the focus was different in practice. Maybe you make some adjustments all about that. It's all about how you deal with what happens to you and how you evolve. And so now the narrative is, you know, because last week Florida was better than everybody and was going to win the national championship. Now Florida can't play defense. They're, they're awful. And A&M's now the team that the very same people that asked me, hey, Jimbo can't get it done and what's this and all that money. Now it's, hey, can A&M run the table and make the playoffs? Again, the overreaction is, is quite comical. 
The answer is, we'll see. We'll see how much better AM gets. They play a schedule that's pretty favorable. Jimbo has not lost the team that has less talent than him since he's been at AM. But it does not mean it won't happen this year, and we will, we shall see. Do I think AM is a playoff caliber team? I do not. But I will admit, there's not enough playoff caliber teams right now in college ball. Um, Clemson is. I think Alabama and Georgia can be right now. I think Georgia's got some work on offense and George and Alabama's got some work on defense. Ohio state hadn't even played yet. So I don't want to say that they're a playoff team, but personnel wise they are. So let's see, but snap judgments can lead to a lot of false hope and a lot of, um, Issues And this this is something that I wanted to address, too, on coaching hires and when they take place. Um, everyone likes to compare. Well, this guy is in his second year. This guy's in his first year. This guy's in his third year. And the guy in the first year is doing better than the guy in the third year. They're all different jobs. And you all have quick fixes and you have long fixes. You got a 25-year-old air condition. There's a way you can fix it short-term. You got to decide, do you want to put money into that when it's not the long-term fix because you've got a lifespan? Do you spend more money and get the long-term fix? Or do you make the quick fix? What's the decision you need to make with a car or anything? We all know that. We all deal with that. Coaching is no different. You go in. What is your circumstance? What is your expectation level by your administrators? Um, What are you inheriting culturally? And what is the long-term gain versus short-term gain? Quick fixes? Quick fixes to me are when you have things that are so dysfunctional that you take it over and you can quickly make them a better fundamental team. Even if you're not any more talented, you can still be better because you're better coached. But long-term fixes are, look, this is the way we're going to do it. Okay. Do you want to go out and buy vegetables in the store and bring them home? Or do you want to plant from scratch the vegetables that you want Cultivate it, grow it so that it's sustainable over a longer period. Got to make a determination. And everybody's got to understand it and buy in. And not crater when the criticism comes that this is a disaster. Because, you know, Jeremy Pruitt is the apple of everybody's eye. Last year at this time, well, earlier in the last season, it was he's going to get fired and not make it through last year. In over his head, they said. Now he's the greatest thing ever. Well, he was until last week when Georgia's a lot better. And, well, I don't know. Again, overreact. It's a long-term fix, short-term fix. You've got to decide. You know, an A&M is an example of Jimbo wants to make it a long-term fix. He wants to build his culture. He wants to do it. You will not know 
his ultimate success for another two, three years from now, good or bad. I think you'd like to see progress along the way, but there's a difference. Same thing with Jeremy. Jeremy Pruitt wants to build a program much like Georgia. So you're not going to know at this point, Georgia's way ahead. Well, we tell you that last week before the game. Nothing surprised me in that game last week, but how much can they progress and get to that point to where they look like Georgia or are like Georgia? Will they get there? Will they be as good? Will they recruit as well? All those things to be determined. You come into some places and you have a quick fix. You, um, Sam Pittman looks a lot different at Arkansas than it did before. Fundamental things, physicality, defensive focus. Those things are appreciably better than last year. Basically same talent. Coaching's better, looks a little better. Eli Drinkwitz is going to run it differently, go from a defensive coach to an offensive coach that's going to spread it out and do things, find a young quarterback. Didn't even know that's the guy that was – that's an example of practice said, eh, I'm not quite sure we're going to start the TCU kid, and it just kind of develops, and off we go. And they got a young – they're going to have growing pains, but you got to deal with it. It's recruiting. It's about getting your system in place. And you can often do things in a quick fashion. You can go, again, the analogy, you can go and put a fresh coat of paint and make it look a little better, but then on closer look, you see the holes and everything, or you can kind of do the whole thing over, do it right, then it looks better and it is better and it's more sustainable long range. You've got to be committed to what the process is and everyone has to be on the same page. It is difficult to get media and fans because they're not on the page. They're just there to react one week to the next. This is great. This guy's great. This guy's awful. And the next week you reverse your opinions. It's just kind of the way it is. But you have to stand up to that. I think you have to communicate that to the point. And it's difficult because you say, hey, look, we're on a, we're on a slow fix to this. We're on a long-term fix. We're going to be competitive, come out, support us, but this is a long-term fix. No one wants to come out and say, oh, it's a long-term fix. We're going to suck, come buy season tickets anyway. That doesn't come off real well. So, oh, we expect to win, yada, yada, yada. Well, then that puts undue pressure when they're not committed to doing things in a short-fix way, but in a long-fix way, it's more stable. Look, it's like a foundation of a house. Go ahead and build a solid foundation. And on that foundation, it's going to withstand the rough weather and all the you, – you, you got a good foundation. You build it on not solid ground, it's easily knocked down. And that's when you've got inconsistencies. That's when you're up and you're down and it's not – not the right way. In my opinion, it's not the way to do it. Let's get into, so we're running short of time here. I want to um, recognize uh, Greg has come in and says, uh, and thanks, Greg. Really appreciate you. What are your thoughts on Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns? Herman replaced both coordinators, still have the same issues. Does Herman survive the season? I think he survives the season because even though Texas has a lot of money, they owe him a lot of money. And I don't think there's an appetite for it. However, 
set the season play out. Could always get better, could always get worse. So the answer to your question today is no. But if you would stay tuned and let's follow the season together, <laughs> things have a ten. I mean, Charlie Strong was getting an extra year too. Not in the same situation, I know, but he was getting an extra year too. And then the Kansas loss and it blew up. I'm not ruling it out. I, th- I think we need – look, I get it. You don't need to see more. And, and, and to a certain degree, I don't need to see more. But there's a level of collapse, complete loss of the program that's not quite there yet, but it's trending that way. So is it going to trend back up or continue to go down? We'll see. Look, my opinion is he's tried to fix things, but there's there's been a lack of stability. There is a lack of a culture there of toughness of, and I, Sam Ellinger's tough. They got tough guys. I don't mean that. I don't think Texas or Oklahoma, but to your point of Texas, they don't recruit great defensive personnel. It goes to what I talked about at the top of the show. And I think that affects them. They're nothing but a big 12 team with a really good quarterback that could outscore you or they can get outscored. That, to me, shouldn't be Texas. That shouldn't be an issue when you're playing Big 12 teams in most cases. That shouldn't be an issue if you're Oklahoma. It is. But it shouldn't be. And then it's on recruiting. Now, a lot of it is based in Texas, where the majority of the recruiting takes place at both of those schools, by the way, Oklahoma and Texas. And I'm lumping them in both, and I'm answering your Texas question, but it's applicable to Oklahoma as well. There's a lot of the... Element what I talked about at the top with offensive football. There's a lot of that going on in Texas. Oh, it's football oriented. They practice and do a lot of seven on. It's the king of seven on sevens in Texas. It's not conducive. They don't have as many great defensive linemen out of that state. But Texas and Oklahoma, in my opinion, and look at both of their coaches, Tom Herman, offensive guy, wonder kid, we're on RPOs. That's what Lincoln Riley does, and I'm not advocating letting either one of those guys go, but there are two things that have to change. They have to change. You don't change the coordinator and expect to fix it. You have to change the philosophical approach. So the head coach has to say, I got to change, or you need to change the head coach. And what I mean by changing is you got to say, look, we want to be offensively a little bit more four-minute offense base not completely four-minute offense pace, but we need to be able to play with a little bit better at the line of scrimmage and allow our defense to have success. Because it's not about your defensive coordinators and their ability to coach something. The way they run their offenses at Texas and Oklahoma, nobody, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, as co-coordinators, could run it with the style that they're running and the personnel that they have. It doesn't work that way. Now, if you had a big-time coach that changes his culture, you could fix that. If he's not willing to do that or he's not in belief to do that, then the only way to fix it is to either continue to outscore people and you maybe catch lightning in a bottle a year here or there, or you kind of go towards the long fix and you either get the current coaches to change 
or you get a different coach with a different philosophy that says, we're going to go out and recruit great defensive players. We're going to build a good defense, and we're going to play an offense that's complementary to that. Look, I always say in football about players, either get your players better. Well, you need to do both. You need to get your players better, or you need to get better players. Well, in coaching, we do the same thing. We need to get better as coaches every year. And then if that's you don't do it well enough, then we need to get better coaches. But it's you can't just change. We're going to make the cosmetic change, get a defensive coordinator, but our philosophy is going to change. We're going to still be up-tempo. Well, one guy may be better defensively at, at, at coaching that style than the next, but it's not going to fix the problem. It may camouflage it a little bit better from this guy to that guy, but it's not going to fix the problem overall. There's a deeper fix that needs to take place. Um, Alabama, Georgia, what to expect? The focus is going to be on being able to play at the line of scrimmage. Alabama is going to want to force the, the passing game outside the numbers. That's going to be pivotal. And Alabama's going to want to defend the run with seven. If they need to move a safety down in the box and defend the run, they will. But that's going to create opportunities in the passing game for Georgia. The strength is when Alabama's offense against Georgia's defense. The Alabama offensively wants to be able to get some early points and force Georgia to play from behind to where they're more pass first. If you do that, you've got the real big advantage. Hey, I'm running out of time, and we got – Great guys um, coming up with the Big 12 show in defense of the Big 12. So check out Brad and Tyler coming up. Uh, I will get to more of the questions in the RPO segments uh, next week uh, and also on um, uh, some other work than our platforms at Landry Football. Check us out today at LandryFootball.com. You're going to absolutely love it. Um, we appreciate you joining us and we'll talk to you again next time on another edition of the Landry football podcast on LandryFootball.com. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.